Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Ajnana Tamarandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Okay, I hope you all are doing well and uh, weathering the transcendental storm that, well, transcendental, the storm that we're uh, all experiencing this uh, time of the coronavirus. And we're on text 18. Okay. So this is Narada Muni uh, speaking uh, again to whom? To the Prachetas. And this section from 18 to 22 talks about uh, satisfying Krishna by performing devotional service. And this first verse brings us back to Kapiladev and the create and the also the second canto, the, the creation uh, of the universe. <clears throat> because the Supreme Lord is the cause of all causes, he is the super soul of all individual living entities. And he exists as both the remote and immediate cause. Okay, remote and immediate cause. Since he is aloof from the material emanations, he is free from their interactions, and he is the lord of material nature. You should therefore engage in his devotional service. Excuse me, I'm just going to... Uh, you should therefore... Yeah. Um, in the purport, Prabhupada writes in the beginning, according to Vedic calculations, there are three causes of creation. Time, the ingredient, and the creator. <clears throat> Combined, these are called uh, chitta-yatmaka, the three causes. Everything in the material world is created by these three causes, and all these causes are found in the personality of Godhead. So. Um, here we have the three causes, uh, time, Krishna says, right, I am time in Bhagavad Gita. He also says, uh, that he's time, the all devouring. <clears throat> and then what are the, um, in order to answer these things, I'll have to go off mute, but what are the, uh, ingredients? It says the ingredient. What does that mean? Um, it is the material energy and whatever material energy provides. Okay, so, uh, well, I guess begin, initially it's the Pradhan, which becomes the Mahatattva, right? And then from there we have the uh, false ego in the mode of goodness, false ego in the mode of passion, false ego in the mode of ignorance, and they create the different 24 elements. Um, and the, you know, usually we often think of the ingredients as earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and ego. And then there is the, uh, <clears throat> the creator or Krishna and specifically the glance of, uh, Sada Shiva or Lord Vishnu. So that's just a little recap on creation. Let's continue though, because we have a lot to cover today. <clears throat> By showing mercy to all living entities, being satisfied somehow or other 
And that's, a, that's an interesting one for us right now, isn't it? Being satisfied somehow or other. <laughs> and controlling the senses from sense enjoyment, one can very quickly satisfy the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Janardana. <clears throat> Text 20. Being completely cleansed of all material desires, the devotees are freed from all mental contaminations. Thus, they can always think of the Lord constantly and address him very feelingly. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, knowing himself to be controlled by his devotees, does not leave them for a second, just as the sky overhead never becomes invincible. So this purport's really interesting because the beginning of it <clears throat> talks about uh, us being dependent on Krishna, but then towards the end, picking up on what's said in the uh, translate in the verse um, of Krishna being dependent on his. So Prabhupada begins where he says, "It is clear from the previous verse <clears throat> that the supreme personality of God, Jnana." is very quickly satisfied by the activities of his devotees. The pure devotee is always absorbed in the thought of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, as stated, Shinvatam Svakata Krishna. By always thinking of Krishna, the pure devotee's heart is freed from all kinds of desires. In the material world, the heart of the living entity is filled with material desires. In the living entity's cleanse, he does not think of anything material. So I guess we're somewhere in the middle. We're, we're trying to uh, to not think of anything material. Um, I just put Prematrangani. I just put you on mute. But uh, if you need to say anything, please just get off mute. <laughs> um, so then Prabhupada says, in this way, he becomes completely dependent upon the lotus feet of the Lord. Uh, and then he he quotes the uh, fifth verse of Shikshastika. And then another quote from uh, Narottamadas Thakur, My dear Lord, you are now present with the daughter of King Bishabhanu, Shimati Radharani. Now both of you, please be merciful upon me. Don't kick me away because I have no shelter other than you. So in the, be so this, the beginning of this purport, right, is, uh, is talking about, you know, our depending on the Lord, our praying for mercy, and um, specifically, right, the, you know, in the six symptoms of surrender, anukulyasya sankalpa pratikulyasya varjanam rakshishya titi vishvaso kotripte varanam tata apanikshepakarpanye shadpidha sharanagati. That um, to think of uh, Krishna especially as our protector and our maintainer. Um, and I was thinking of this that. Krishna never leaves us ever, even though our mind thinks differently, right? Our mind may be going hither and thither. And as we've talked in the past, the mind protects the false ego, right? Whoever, whatever conception we have of ourself, and there's at least 8,400,000 conceptions of ourself other than Krishna's uh, servant. Um, so, the false ego is, goes very deep, and whatever we uh, th think we are, who we who we think we are, then uh, the mind uh, aids us, or or Burjum who uses the word protects the false ego, or aids us in convincing us 
about that false identity. We were talking about this in Bhagavatam class yesterday, and Gary uh, Govardhan um, uh, Prabhu was saying that one doesn't really have a true conception of their self until they've reached at least a sakti, a sakti, a shakti, uh, attachment to the Lord in, um, in the, the nine steps of bhakti mentioned by Rupa Goswami. So we're all kind of like, you know, this, uh, you know, uh, what is, you know, in the old days, the movies were right. You think you're, you're walking around like this and thinking you're, uh, uh, Napoleon. So we all have this false idea of, um, of who we are, basically. And as this, as this purport is saying, uh, we really can't get free of that by our own endeavors. It's really, um, that we have to become, as it says here, completely dependent upon the lotus feet of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, right? There's that beautiful saying that one who remembers Lord Chaitanya, even the most difficult things become easy. And one who forgets Lord Chaitanya, even the most difficult things, can be, most easy things can become difficult. So um, it behooves us to really, uh, um, hopefully these kind of thoughts that we just mentioned, these kind of uh, concepts that we just mentioned will help us become more serious in our career. We have a long way to go um, before we're fully uh, absorbed in thinking ourselves as Krishna's servant. So before we go on to the second half of this purport, uh, and uh, what thoughts do you have on that? Hi, Bill. This is Gurudas. Hare Krishna, can you hear me? Yep. Um, so while you were speaking, you said something very nice, and I was just thinking um, the reason why we don't realize it's illusion, or I, I can refer this to myself, is because the illusion seems so real while we're in it. Yes. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that's a very good point. The illusion seems so real. And Krishna consciousness can sometimes seem so theoretical. So we really have to take shelter of hearing and chanting in order to uh, change our reality. So that's another way to look at it. Yesterday in the Bhagavatam class, we were saying how uh, the whole process of Krishna consciousness is changing our identity or changing our, yeah, our self-identity, who we think we are, right? Um, and another way of saying it, Gurudas, is another, uh, the whole thing of Krishna consciousness is changing what we think is reality. So, yeah, it's, so uh, we have our work cut out for us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, now the second half. Um, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry, I, I go ahead. No, I didn't have anything else. Okay. Uh, the second half of this uh, purport, the last paragraph, then Prabhupada changes it around a bit. And he said, and he, you know, he says, in this way, the Supreme Personality of God becomes dependent on his devotee. The Lord is invincible, yet he is conquered by his pure devotee. So sometimes when we read, it's good to give some emphasis to these interesting words, like Krishna's invincible. We could spend a day thinking what that means, right? Or he, and then he is conquered by his 
period of voting, not just like controlled, conquered, you know, like, like uh, you know, Alexander the Great conquered such and such place, right? <laughs> you know, conquered the period, by this period of voting. He enjoys being dependent on his devotee, just as Krishna enjoyed being dependent on the mercy of Mother Yakshashoda. Thinking himself dependent on the devotee gives the Supreme uh, Lord great enjoyment. Sometimes a king may engage a joker, and in the process of joking, the king sometimes is sometimes insulted. The king, however, enjoys these activities. Everyone worships the Supreme Lord with great reverence. Therefore, the Lord sometimes wants to enjoy the chastisement of his devotees. In this way, the relationship eternally existing between the Lord and his devotees is fixed, just like the sky overhead. So when I did a little, when I looked into this, you know, Prabhupada um, especially liked to, uh, well, not all the time, but he told three different stories about Gopal Bhan, who was uh, a, uh, a joker as, or a, uh, what, what, what would they call him? A uh, royal, what was the word? Not just joker. Jester? Yeah, jester. Thank you. Yes, jester. Um, and he told three different stories about him. Um, one was about a, a Mughal king came up to him and said, can you, you know, he, he didn't read the Mahabharata, but he knew about the Mahabharata, what an epic it was. And he said to him, can you write a, uh, a book greater than the Mahabharata about me? And Gopal Ban said, yes. And he said it would cost so much money. And then he came back to him like two or three times more, uh, asking for more money. <laughs> and then finally, uh, the king said, well, you know, come on, I, I, you know, let, let me see what you've done. And he said, okay, but I need to ask you some questions first. Um, how many husbands does your wife have? And the king got very upset. He said, what are you talking about? Um, and he said, well, in the Mahabharata, the main point, he says, the main point in the Mahabharata is that Draupadi had five husbands. So you are much greater than the people in the Mahabharata. So your wife must have a dozen husbands. And in this way, the, uh, the king, the Mughal king got very upset with him and, uh, he kept the money, but he didn't write the book. Um, <laughs> uh, another time, uh, the king was trying to, you know, the king would always try to uh, make a joke at the expense of the jester, and the jester would try to make a joke at the expense of the king. So the so Gopal Ban had just built a new house, and before it was opened, you probably all know, many of you know these stories, um, before the house was opened, uh, he sent somebody to to the house and said, you know, you know, the house should be consecrated properly and all this. So let's, let's pull a joke on him and go there and then tell him that you, the call of nature is calling you and you have to very urgently use the bathroom. So Gopal Ban knew something was up and, uh, he said, Oh, yes, you can use my new bathroom. No problem. No problem. You can pass stool, but you cannot drop one. You cannot pass one drop of urine or else I will kill you. And the man, you know, said, well, that's impossible. You can't do one without the other. So this way, Gopal Ban uh, defeated the king's plan. And then the funniest one, perhaps, is uh, the, the king once said to him, um, uh, Gopal, what is the difference between you and a fool? 
And Gopal went like nose to nose to him and then took three steps back. And he said, three steps only, sir. So Prabhupada told these uh, Gopal Bond stories, just like here Prabhupada said, that sometimes a king may engage a joker. And in the process of joking, this, the king is sometimes insulted. The king, however, enjoys these activities. So uh, Prabhupada used that example to uh, say how Krishna enjoys the chastisement of his devotees. So some thoughts on uh, on this be Krishna being controlled by his devotees. Gopal Bond stories. <laughs> it doesn't sound like the king enjoyed those very much. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> Other thoughts? Okay. Then we will go on to text uh, 21. Um the Supreme Personality of Godhead becomes very dear to those devotees who have no material possessions. <clears throat> but are fully happy in possessing the devotional service of the Lord. Indeed, the Lord relishes the devotional activities of such devotees. Those who are puffed up with material education, wealth, aristocracy, and fruitive activity are very proud of possessing material things. And they often deride the devotees. Even if such, pers- even if such people offend- offer the Lord worship, the Lord never accepts them. And just the last sentence in the purport says that those on the path of liberation should be very careful not to offend a pure devotee. Um, and we're going to, in the fifth verse of the next chapter, we'll talk more about this thing about offending devotees. But there is a connection here between what I'm going to quote Jiva Goswami in that chapter five from the Sandarbhas. And this sentence, those who are puffed up with material education, wealth, aristocracy, and fruit of activity are very proud of possessing material things, and they often deride their devotees. So we'll, we'll talk about Vaishnava Parad more in the next chapter. So then uh, Narada continues, although the Supreme Personality of God is self-sufficient, he becomes dependent on his devotees. He does not care for the goddess of fortune, nor for the kings and demigods who are after the favors of the goddess of fortune. Where is that person who is actually grateful and will not worship the personality of Godhead? So now Maitreya Rishi is going to uh, end the fourth canto and uh, summarize things. And he says, my dear King Vidura, Sri Narada Muni, the son of Lord Brahma, thus described all the relationships, these relationships with the Supreme Personality of Godhead to the Prachetas. Afterward, he returned to Brahma Loka. Hearing from Narada's mouth the glories of the Lord, which vanquished all the ill fortune of the world, the Prachetas also became attached to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Meditating on his lotus feet, they advanced to the ultimate destination. My dear Vidura, I have told you everything <clears throat> you wanted to know about the conversation between Narada and the Prachetas. The conversation describing the glories of the, uh, the conversation describing the glories of the Lord. I have related this as far as possible. Now, so that goes, so we go out of the conversation between 
uh, Bidura and Maitreya. Now, or, yeah. Um, and now Sukadev and Prikshit. O best of kings, King Prikshit, I have now finished telling about the descendants of the second son of Swayambhuva Manu, Uttanupad. So the question is, what about the first son, right? I shall now try to relate the activities of the descendants of Priyavrata, the first son of Swayambhuva Manu. Please hear them attentively. So that whole fourth canto was about uh, the descendants of uh, from Swayambhuva Manu to Uttanupad. Although King Maharaj Priyadvata received uh, instructions from the great sage Narada, he still engaged in ruling the earth. After fully enjoying material possessions, he divided his property among his sons. He then attained a position by which he could return home back to Godhead. Text 28. My dear king, in this way, after hearing the transcendental messages of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and his devotees from the great sage Maitreya, Hidura was overwhelmed with ecstasy. So now Sukadev is telling Brikshit about the discussion between Maitreya and Hidura. With tears in his eyes, he immediately fell down at the lotus feet of his guru, his spiritual master. He then fixed the supreme personality of Godhead within the core of his heart. Sri Vidura said, O great mystic, O greatest of all devotees, by your causeless mercy, I have been shown the path of liberation from this world of darkness. By following this path, a person liberated from the material world can return home back to God. Now back to Sukadeva Goswami. Sukadeva Goswami continued, Vidura thus offered obeisances unto the great sage Maitreya, and taking his permission, started for the city of Hastinapur to see his own kinsmen, although he had no material desires. O king, those who hear these topics about kings who are completely surrendered to the Supreme Personality of Godhead obtain without difficulty a long life, wealth, good reputation, good fortune, and ultimately the opportunity to return home back to Godhead. Thus then, the Bhaktivedanta purports of the fourth canto, 31st chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, entitled Narada Instructs the Prachetas. That's the end of the fourth canto. So any, uh, any thoughts on anything we just heard before we go on to the fourth canto, uh, fifth canto? I know we read through those quickly, but it was kind of like just a summary of things and setting the scene for the fifth canto. Um, just a, a quick question, Prabhu. So um, you, you'd mentioned how Krishna is conquered by the devotion of his devotees. And I was wondering, um, sometimes, you know, when we are chanting or when we are trying to do sadhana, we are sometimes trying, it seems, trying to, to, um, control the mercy of, of Krishna, that we want Krishna's mercy. And we, you know, we are trying our best, our hardest, but, um, in a sense, we're also trying to be the controllers, you know, trying to chant really, um, asking for the mercy of Krishna, but also, you know, kind of, so, so what is the, the right orientation there? You know, I mean, we want to give our best effort, uh, but at the same time, we want to maintain the right mood. So some practical tips on that or anything? Well, so many. Um, one is, in one, in one sense, we don't want to try too hard. We, you don't want to be, because, uh, you know, one has to be, sattvic, you know, in goodness, in, in preparation for chanting. 
So we don't want to be passionate about, about being in goodness. Does that make sense? <laughs> so it's kind of like, um, I don't know how to say it, but, uh, uh, I don't know if anyone has, has anyone ever gone down, uh, the Potomac River, um, like near Harper's Ferry, you can rent, uh, these, uh, like, um, tubes and go down there. Or if anyone's been on the Itchitaki River in, um, or I don't know if it's a river, whatever it is in, um, uh, near Alachua. And you kind of, you know, the, 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 the point is the river just kind of takes you. And so we kind of, when we're chanting, we, we want to kind of catch that, that flow of the holy name. Um, and it's kind of a subtle thing. It's not, it's a little bit more like, you know, the, uh, the kitten and the cat rather than the baby monkey holding on for dear life, you know? Uh, and, the, and of course, Prabhupada told us the mood is, um, the child calling out for its mother, right? So there, so there's a kind, there's a mood. It's not try, we're not trying to do two things when we're chanting, you know, focus on hearing. Because Prabhupada said, you know, what is, he said, what, what is, uh, the need of the mind? He said, you just, you hear and you, you, you hear yourself. Or, and he also said, you should hear yourself chanting sincerely. So that word sincerely, uh, and call, crying out, call for its mother. But it's, it's not two things here, uh, chanting attentively and being in a prayerful mood. It's kind of a subtle, um, a mood that encompasses our attempts to hear attentively. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and and we and I think we we get realizations that it's not all up to us because sometimes Krishna gives us a real taste, and sometimes it's not so much there, mm-hmm. right? And that kind of shows that we're not the controller. And even when the, the taste is not so much there, Krishna's there. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of a um, a test to uh, to to will we you know continue trying trying our best um, despite whether we have you know a great taste or not a great taste. So th- mm-hmm. those are just a you know we could go on you know for hours talking about japa, but um, those are a few thoughts. Or uh, what is it? Uh, um, Act as if everything depends on you, and pray as if everything depends on Krishna. Mm-hmm. So, so that kind of uh, mood. There's a there's a bob. There's a mood to our service, and even when we're doing things that are service, but can be seen as routine. Like, let's say we're cleaning the uh, prasadam hall in the temple. Right? You can kind of do that. You can do a really good job of cleaning, even if you're doing it mindlessly. Or even we have Divyananda. I mean, I could, uh, believe me, I used to be able to sell books mindlessly sometimes, you know, because uh, I just did it so often, you know, eight hours a day for 12 years. So I just, you know, but the idea is that even when, we're, even when we're, you know, cleaning a table or something to be in the right mood as a devotional offering, mm-hmm. right? Um and try to do everything as much in a devotional offering as possible. Uh, that, uh, Gary Govardhan Prabhu was saying that in class yesterday, that um, the only real reality in our life is whatever devotion we have in our mind and in our heart. Every, you know, otherwise, we're so absorbed 
in temporary things and dealing with the material energy. Is that all right, Prabhu? That's great, Prabhu. Thank you so much. Okay. Other thoughts? Could, could I add? Could somebody add something to that? Yeah. Um, Hare Krishna. Um, so I remember reading uh, one uh, disciple of mine, Guru Maharaj, that's Rupa Maharaj, uh, wrote him uh, pretty much the same question. And uh, uh, my Guru Maharaj recommended this prayer, and I'm, it's unfortunately, I can't repeat it, I can't remember it verbatim, but it was, it was something like, uh, my dear Lord, I know this Japa session has not been very good. I was distracted or I was, you know, something, um, but it's the best I had. Um, please accept it and let me try to do better next time. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Prabhu. Thank you. Okay, so let's start the fifth canto. And I'm going to give a book. Did someone want to say something? Uh, I'm going to give a brief summary of the first 14 chapters. And I mean like super brief, like two paragraphs. <laughs> 14 chapters. But just to give us an overview. Uh, so Canto 5 begins with the history of Priyavrata Maharaj. Right? And he's the son of Swayam Vivamanu. And he's, as we heard in one of the verses just we just read, that he was a real powerful renunciate. But then, you know, he, he ruled the earth at the request of his, of his father, right? Um, just seeing, okay, there we go. Um, uh, of his father and Lord Brahma. And we're going to hear all about that very interesting uh, uh, transcendental debate, you could say, between uh, Narada, who wanted to keep him as a brahmachari, and his father, Swayam Bhavamana, wanted him to get married and rule the earth. Uh, and, it's, and what's interesting is that through that pastime that we're going to hear about, we learn that devotional service and not renunciation is the uh, supreme activity of the soul. Because Priyavata gave up renunciation in order to please Krishna. So... Uh, when he was a king, Priyavata performed all these wonderful deeds, including he used the wheels of his chariot to divide Bhumandala into seven islands. And then in chapter two, we hear uh, of a kind of more materially motivated renunciation of another king, Priyavata's son. His name was Agnidra. Uh, and who for his, uh, for what he went through, he was given the celestial beauty uh Pravachiti, uh, to marry. So then Agnidra's son, Maharaj Nabi, he became the father of uh, Lord Rishabdev, who, uh, and Rishabdev's foremost son was Bharat. Uh, and, <clears throat> uh, and then we hear about Bharat as he goes from a king to a renunciate, uh, and then two more births as a deer, and then as Jadabharata, and then we hear, you know, finally Jadabharata, who doesn't say anything for most of his life, speaks to Maharaj Rahugana, and he um, 
Maharaj Bharat or Jud Bharat expands on the teachings of Lord uh, that he heard from Rishabdev, which he still remembers, even though he's been through two different changes of body. And then uh, in text chapter 15, we see a whole shift into Sukadeva Goswami's description of the universe, and we'll uh, we'll put off discussing that until we uh, get get there. Okay, so that's a brief summary of the uh, first chapters of the fifth canto, and we are going to go read uh, up to verse five, and then talk about verse five. Okay. King Pariksit inquired from Sukadeva Goswami, because he had just heard that uh, he was a renunciate, and then he ruled the kingdom, so he was surprised. Oh, great sage, why did King Priyavrata, who was a great self-realized devotee of the Lord, remain in household life, which is the root cause of the bondage of karma, fruit of activity, and which defeats the purpose of human life? Devotees are certainly liberated persons, therefore, O greatest of the brahmanas, they cannot possibly be absorbed in family affairs. Elevated Mahatmas who have taken shelter of the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of God and are fully satiated by the shade of those lotus feet. You don't usually think of shade as satiating you, but this shade does. Well, maybe you do if it's very hot out, right? Their consciousness cannot possibly become attached to family members. The king continued, O oh, great Pramana, this is my great doubt. How is it possible for a person like King Priyavrata, who is so who was so attached to wife, children, and home, to achieve the topmost infallible perfection in Krishna consciousness? And then Sukadeva Swami says, What you have said is correct. The glories of the Supreme Personality of Godhead who is praised in eloquent transcendental verses by such exalted persons as Brahma, are very pleasing to great devotees and liberated persons. One who is attached to the nectarian honey of the Lord's lotus feet, and whose mind is always absorbed in the, his glories, may sometimes be checked by some impediment, but he still never gives up the exalted position he has acquired. And... Uh, Let's read one part of this purport where it says, um, well, it says, according to Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, there are two kinds of impediments in devotional service. The first is an offense at the lotus feet of a Vaishnava, that is called Vaishnava Parad. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu warned his devotees not to commit Vaishnava Parad, for he described, for which he described as a mad elephant offense. When a mad elephant enters a beautiful garden, it destroys everything, leaving a barren field. Similarly, the power of Vaishnava Aparad is so great that even an advanced devotee becomes almost devoid of his spiritual assets if he commits it. Since Krishna consciousness is eternal, it cannot be destroyed altogether, but advancement can be checked for the time being. Thus, Vaishnava Aparad is one kind of impediment to devotional service. Sometimes, however, the Supreme Personality of God or his devotee desires to impede one's devotional service. Wow. So, a um, few things here. Um, in, the, in, in the Bhakti Sandarbha, Jiva Goswami, he describes five effects of Nam Aparad. 
And these can be carried uh, in the heart. <laughs> this is a scary part, from one birth to the next, okay? And of course, one of the greatest namaparads is, uh, is considered in some ways the greatest. Paramam, Parama Aparadam Bitanute. Uh, wait, is that, wait a second, hold on. Uh, yes, Satam Nindam Parama Aparadam Bitanute. So the Parama Aparad is Satam Nindam or offending a devotee. So here's the effects of Namaparad. One, <clears throat> crookedness or performing devotional service to gain something other than Krishna's pleasure. Ready? Two, faithlessness. Three, attachment to things that destroy faith in the Lord. Four, slack, slackness in performance of devotional practices. And five, pride in one's devotional advancement. So that's uh, the five effects of Namaparad, and, and of course, the, the greatest of the Namaparads is Vaishnavaparad, which we're talking about. Pretty scary, huh? Um, and then I'll just read one other thing from that Bhakti Sandarbha. Because most people are inclined to commit offenses, they should perform spiritual activities again and again that those who offend Nam Prabhu should chant the holy name again and again as explained in the Nam Aparad Bhajana Stotra in the Padma Purana. Quote, the chanting of Hare Krishna is recommended for persons who commit offenses because if they continue chanting, they will gradually chant offenselessly. Even if in the beginning one chants with offenses, one will become free from such offenses by chanting again and again. So we should be really careful about committing the ten offenses and especially Vaishnava Parad. So what are your thoughts on this? Hare Krishna Guru. Hare Krishna Raghunanda Guru. Um, this verse is more like an encouraging verse, it, even though it is uh, giving a caution of being careful not to commit offenses at the lotus feet of Vaishnavas. Uh, but still, it also puts a spotlight on the potency of bhakti, that the person who is practicing bhakti is never lost. Uh, so that is the strong message that I get, particularly from reading the purports. Prabhupada gives lots of encouragement. Yeah, I guess I, I focused on the negative, <laughs> on the Aparad part. <laughs> yes. And, and it's, it's a, um, it's an interesting balance that a, a guru has. And of course, everyone on this call should be a guru, whether it's a Diksha guru or a Shiksha guru or a part my production guru. Um, because, you know, sometimes Prabhupada would encourage us, right? He would say, just chant your rounds, follow four principles, you go back to Godhead. You know, Krishna's very kind. Krishna's very merciful. And then at other times, you know, if you're attached to one ladu in the material world, you have to come back. You know, so that, uh, because both are there, encouragement and encouraging us to be careful. So, yeah, so in this purport, it seems to achieve both in one purport. Yeah, thank you for that. Other thoughts? Hare Krishna Prabhu. 
um, reading this statement, um, sometimes, however, the Supreme Personality of Godhead or his devotee desires to impede one's devotional service. That seems very interesting because sometimes we, uh, we have periods in devotional life where we just lose taste completely or seem to lose taste. At least I do. And my first instinct is to think, you know, what Vaishnava Parad have I committed? Um, and it seems to me that, you know, I don't know, please correct me if I'm wrong, that it, it doesn't have to be always Vaishnava Aparad that causes a lack of taste, but that is our first instinct that, you know, it's likely that I did something like that. But there could be other reasons. And the statement is very interesting that sometimes the Supreme Lord or his devotee, like the four Kumaras, I guess, uh, desire to impede one's devotional service. Could you comment a little bit on these things? Yeah, I, I don't know. I have, I'm trying to think if there's any uh, reference to how this applies to people on our level of bhakti as opposed to, you know, someone like Chai and Vijay, right? Which is, um, but, but to your first point, yes, there, there could be multiple uh, causes of, of some lack of taste. Uh, it could be Krishna testing us, right? It could be Vaishnava Parad. It could be um, a lack of sleep. <laughs> you know, or some, you know, physical uh, ailment where there's not, you know, I find that if um, if I'm not well, I don't have a lot of prana in my body and it's kind of really hard to uh, focus on chanting at that time. So it could be, you know, multiple, even right in the, uh, is that the 10th verse of the uh, 18th chapter or the 5th verse where they have five different causes of action? So... Mm-hmm. There, there could be uh, multiple reasons, and uh, um, and sometimes trying to figure out what they are is not so easy. <laughs> right, uh, but a real, I think, I think what uh, so the question, I think the real question is sometimes okay, it's good to you know do a little um, soul searching and think about what we've been up to and how maybe we've been affected by the mode of passion or ignorance, and that's one reason that we're not having such a taste. Um, but then I think the real question is what to do, what should be a devotee's reaction at that moment or, you know, going forward if some lack of taste is there? So what, what, uh, what works for you, and I mean you, anyone on the call, um, when that happens. Raghunanda, Raghunanda, you still have your hand raised or was that for something different? Uh, I just, if you are, if, if your uh, uh, response is done, I, I wanted to add something. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, one thing that I heard recently from my spiritual master is uh, sometimes it could also be to intensify um, our dependence on Krishna, that Krishna might be uh, doing what is quoted in that sentence. So it, it's more of getting to the stage of being more dependent on Krishna and just strengthening our uh, that love and devotion that the devotee has for Krishna. So that, was, that I thought was a very uh, striking point to me. I like that. And also it, 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 it underscores... Um the point, you know, just like in the first verse of the Bhagavatam, Abhigyaswarat, that Krishna is independent and he has 
freedom to do with us as he likes. So a devotee just, you know, just like Prabhupada says that a good businessman makes money when the money market's down and when the market's up. Um, so similarly, you know, for us, um, we can we can increase our faith even when 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 there's those challenges because we uh, understand you know Krishna it's up that's up to you. if you give me taste or don't give me taste that's up to you I should I would like to get a higher taste because then I can get more absorbed in devotional service but whether I have it or not I'm your servant and I'm going to serve yeah um, Antrabhu, you're nodding your head you have some thoughts yes Prabhu <coughs> um so I was remembering a, a letter sent to His Holiness uh, Saraswarup Maharaj from Sri Prabhupada. Sri Prabhupada was uh, appreciating his understanding that if one should bring himself under the spiritual authority, you know, even in the uh, realm of devotional service like when he is following all four regulative principles and all that but he should not be whimsical but he should bring himself under the spiritual authority to perform anything otherwise it, it is offensive that's what uh, Prabhupada stated so what I'm confused here is Prabhu like what what is the offense committed by Priyavrata? I think there is nothing, but is it like then in that case, can we take it as Krishna is like Ravnanam Prabhu is saying, like to intensify his uh, dependence? Um, I don't see. No, he didn't commit any. Of, does it say somewhere that he committed some offense? No, I didn't see anything. No, he, he didn't commit offense. <laughs> He actually was put in a difficult situation, right? What do, right. I, do I do? I neglect my father or do I let, neglect my guru? Yes. Um, and my father isn't just, you know, some run-of-the-mill father. Right? He's Swam Bhubamana, you know. Uh, <laughs> and he found a way to, well, he found a way to do it by the mercy of Lord Brahma. Yeah. Hi, hi, Krishna. Hi, Krishna. Uh, hey, Hare Krishna, please. Um, yeah, so actually, uh, Vishwanath in this verse, he very clearly says that uh, uh, Priyavartha did not commit any offense. And he says that there's two reasons for the obstacles. One is, of course, offense in the case of a devotee, why there's some obstacles in their life. But the second is, it's the Lord's desire. And the Lord's desire in case of Priyavrata here is to teach proper conduct to the devotee. And whenever it's the Lord's desire, whatever the obstacle is there in a devotee's life, that only serves to somehow increase their, you know, prema, their, their love for Krishna. So in the case of Priyavrata, the Lord just taught that the devotee should follow the order of superiors though it's not suitable for bhakti, by showing how Priyavata followed the order of Brahma. Well, what about it not being suitable for bhakti? What is that? Should you, I, didn't, uh, I didn't get that. Meaning, meaning that, I mean, to take on this position of ruling, it's not considered oh, exactly... Right, right. Okay, the position, yeah, got it, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Very good. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> 
Anyone else? Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a fascinating, fascinating discussion. And there, what, what, it, what it makes me think of building on Prima Tarangani's comment, um, how uh, Prabhupada, in his preaching, often, often emphasized that uh, the devotee's position is not to, you know, be bhajananandi uh, because they think, you know, the devotee thinks, oh, this is going to increase my spiritual life. But, um, and, and Prabhupada, in, in the Lalamrita, there are several places where Prabhupada had to reprimand the devotee and say, you know, uh, you want to do this for your spiritual life, but I'm your spiritual master and I'm telling you to do this. And, you know, um, by that he meant, you know, this is, by by following my order, this is what's going to actually uh, advance you in spiritual life uh, as opposed to what you think will advance you in spiritual life. Um, so, uh that's that's uh it's a it's a really really interesting uh idea that we're discussing thank you any comments on did you re, did you catch those uh five things from um sorry sorry to cause the scary slide from jiva goswami the unfavorable effects of nama Parad, the pretty scary crookedness faithlessness <laughs> attachment to things that destroy our face slackness bhakti and pride in one's devotional advancement. Hare Krishna Prabhu, this is Jeeva Tatsudas. Yes, Prabhu. So, means again, in Popper, the story of Javija has been discussed, right? And there were three different incidents, and Lord, when he asked them to take birth as demons, like, a, you know, grants them their wish to take birth as demons, he's satisfying all three qualities involved. First is the Chaturkumars, the four Kumaras. Second is Goddess Lakshmi. She was actually offended. She was also a Vaishnavi and she was offended when Javija had earlier stopped her from entering, you know, uh, Lord Vishnu's quarters, Pantam Vishnu's quarters, because he was sleeping. So they were trying to protect and think in favor of Lord while she was offended and she reported later on. She complained to the Lord that, <clears throat> that he should punish them. And then the third desire was that they wanted to have a jest, but in Vakunta you cannot have a jest with the Lord, right? So that's why they have to come to the material world. And they were given the choice. The Lord gave them the choice either to take seven births as devotees or three births as demons. And they chose. So Lord, you know, he grasped those wishes. Yes, it is an impediment because they had a specific desire to have a jest with the Lord. And so the Lord, you know, but at the same time they did commit it. Vaishnava offenses like uh, the Vaishnava Pra in two different levels, right? One with Goddess Lakshmi and second with the Chatur Kumaras. And it was an impediment, yet at the same time, it was also fulfilling of their own desire, which was something, you know, in Vakuntha, nobody has any personal desire, but it was maybe a secondary level bhav that they arose in them to have a jest with the Lord. So it's a large arrangement to satisfy everyone. Mm. Finally. Yeah. And sometimes, and as we're going to hear in the, some uh, purports in a few minutes, uh, it's not always easy to know the plan of the Lord. Yes. 
And I think, I think we all could experience that in our own lives, even with this virus, you know, uh, um, at least what is, what is, uh, what is our reaction to it? And, uh, how can we make, uh, what is, as they say, uh, lemonade out of the lemon, things like that. So let's go on, um, to the next verse. Is, and we are reading up into, oh, the next verse, <laughs> right? Um, so so uh, Sukadeva Goswami continues, this, uh, my dear king, Prince Priyavrata was a great devotee because he sought the lotus feet of Narada, his spiritual master, and thus achieved the highest perfection in transcendental knowledge. With advanced knowledge, he always engaged in discussing spiritual subjects and did not pay attention to anything else. That's an interesting thing because I know, and I know it's natural, and, and I, would, I would guess at least some of us have increased our watching of, and this is not a criticism at all, I think it's natural, increased our watching of the news since the virus came out. And of course the news is primarily quite negative, so... Uh, maybe we can get some inspiration from Priyavrata. <laughs> he was engaged in spiritual subjects and didn't divert his attention. Uh, the prince's father then asked him to take charge of ruling the world. He tried to convince Priyavrata that this was his duty as indicated in the revealed scriptures. Prince Priyavrata, however, was continuously practicing bhakti yoga by constantly remembering the Supreme Personality of Godhead thus engaging all his senses in the service of the Lord. Of course, he was brahmachari. Most of us, some of us on this call are not brahmacharis. Uh, maybe brahmachari gehastas, that's another thing. Therefore, although the order of his father could not be rejected, the prince did not welcome it. Have you ever been asked to do something by a spiritual authority and know that you can't reject it, but you didn't welcome it? Thus, he very conscientiously raised the question of whether he might be diverted from devotional service um, by accepting the responsibility of ruling the, uh, the world. And in the purport, I was focusing on this one point where it says, even though engaged um, in worldly affairs, he does not take pleasure in them, but remains always absorbed in the Lord's service. While thus serving the Lord, he deals externally with worldly affairs without being affected. For example, though, though he has no attraction for his children, he cares for them and educates them to become devotees. Similarly, he speaks to his wife with affectionate words, but he is not attached to her. So let's think about that for a second. Um, because uh, there's lessons to be learned there and how to apply them in our practical lives. As I said, most of us on this call are married or maybe some of us hoping to get married or some of us wishing we weren't married for so long. No, that was a joke. Um, by the way, today's my wife's birthday, so I have to be nice to my wife today. Uh, um, so yeah. I announced myself loud a couple of times. Oh, who's that? I said I was back a couple of times pretty loud. But then I walked by and I thought maybe you're sleeping. So I just, I didn't want to. Oops, I put him on mute. That was, uh, that sounds like Haridas Prabhu, but I put you on mute Haridas Prabhu because 
we were talking. Um, so this was one uh, thing from uh, that, that Prabhupada. Uh, so Prabhupada began criticizing his disciple. I won't mention his name. And his anger was as intense as a monsoon rains. He wants to be guru, but he is not qualified. All of them, they want to be guru without qualification, and they will fall victim to sex life. Prabhupada then turned to me. Me was a grihasta. And he said, your wife belongs to Krishna. You cannot enjoy even one wife. They all belong to Krishna. So, so we take that point, and then we look at, similarly, he speaks to his wife with affectionate words, but he is not attached to her, meaning we, um, we serve, let's say, let's say our wife or our husband, our, our Vaishnavas especially, we serve them as, as devotees. But we don't see, we, we don't, we try not to see them as objects of our enjoyment, but as, uh, meant for Krishna's enjoyment. So Prabhupada was very strong at this time. Your wife belongs to Krishna. You cannot enjoy even one wife. They all belong to Krishna. <laughs> uh, and then I'll read one passage, um, that Satsurupmarsh quotes many times. Uh, that's a little heavy. But again, I think if we look at within context, uh, we can we can get the message. So um, in in India, Srila Prabhupada was often invited to attend programs in people's homes. Sometimes these people were very pious and became devotees by such contact with Srila Prabhupada. It's in some cases, they mainly wanted material blessings, health and prosperity in return for hosting a sadhu and his followers. Probably many of us have had that experience, right? Uh, on one occasion, Srila Prabhupada, along with 20 of his devotees, was sitting in a man's living room while the man introduced each member of his family. This is my wife, said the man, and the wife came forward, bowing slightly and folding her palms. And this is my older son, and this is my daughter, and this is my younger son. Each came forward and said his name while Prabhupada nodded gently. This is, my, this is the husband of my daughter, the man continued, and these are their children. Each hopefully quickly appeared and exited. Finally, all the members had been introduced and had departed momentarily leaving Srila Prabhupada alone in the room with his disciples. In a confidential aside, Prabhupada spoke quietly to his disciples, this is my sex life. So, again, the point being that Prabhupada was seeing that this person was uh, more materially motivated than anything else, and giving kind of a purport about material, um, the material mindset. And again, that that's that uh as we're going to hear in some of these purports and as we know from other encouragements from Prabhupada, Krihasta life could be a wonderful uh life in Krishna consciousness when the home is focused on serving Krishna. But there is the warning um that uh it shouldn't be otherwise. And that is you know, in the quotes that I provided um something to uh to think about. Some thoughts on that? Um, regarding the uh, speaking the blessings of a sannyasi, uh, I recently read an anecdote from Srila Prabhupada's life. And Prabhupada was like, there was one person uh, that stood up uh, when the lecture was go, uh, finished and he asked like, Prabhupada, he made a big show of it and said, Prabhupada, kindly give me your blessings. So Prabhupada thought looked at him very uh, sternly for a long time and then said, 
the the world entire worldwide movement and all the problems are on my head so take some of that pain and you have my blessings nice so that's some that's an instruction for us <laughs> i thought you were going to tell that time that they were on a train in in india and these you know businessmen came up to him and you know asking for ashirvad you know asking for some blessings and probably turned to his shaved head sannyasis and said this is my blessing <laughs> saffron cloth shave your head and they were like thank you so much you know they immediately uh, left <laughs> so guru means to be heavy you know uh, and as sweet as palpar often was as uh, i heard uh, you know he would if, even if it was 80% rose and 20% thunderbolt 20% is a lot <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know we we should learn the lessons in both the rose and the thunderbolt and also not be um discouraged or take in the wrong way his thunderbolt like statements but see how they apply in in our life uh and in our particular circumstance and they may not some of them may be more instructions for brahmacharis and sannyasis which as we've mentioned um there were grihasas of course in prabhupada's time but almost everybody almost everybody lived in the ashram and prabhupada was with us so it was a very different social dynamic then and now other thoughts i had, I had a comment um the distinct discussion that we have been having and prabhupada is making in the a uh, purport also it looks like it's a distinction between attachment and caring sometimes we might uh, get it mixed up and thinking that attachment and is this also caring but there is a, a fine line between attachment and caring so even a person can be detached and still be affectionate and caring and do it as a service to the supreme lord so that was what was coming to me when we were discuss reading and discussing that point yes yes and uh and we have to do our uh it's very important to do our duties yeah and especially in grihastha life in some ways grihasthas can do so much more preaching than sannyasis because it's it's a lifestyle that more people in the world can follow right um so uh yeah it's important and it's uh this is a little bit of an aside but it's it's a uh, it's something to uh maybe you saw this quote where did i see it oh um in terms of the 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 coronavirus uh and taking care of ourselves you know some people say well you know don't don't just go out and preach uh you know it doesn't matter because krishna will protect us and then there was this nice story and gosh um i probably could have avoided a lot of pain in my life if i had heard this story earlier <laughs> like maybe 30 years ago <laughs> but it was in vrindavan and uh uh yashoda nandan maharaj was on a uh, morning walk with prabhupada on the prikram mark in vrindavan and he didn't have shoes on I-, i could try to find the exact quote if you want but um i'll just uh quote it, you know uh and probably said wear your shoes and he said no probably it's not necessary you know um and he said i you know i can't i couldn't find them and i just wanted to go on the morning walk and probably said no. he stopped the morning walk immediately he said then you sit down 
This is very dangerous. You have to take care of yourself. Uh, and, you know, I walked around Vrindavan barefoot for many years just thinking, well, that's the spiritual thing to do. Uh, and here was Prabhupada was like chastising him that, no, this is dangerous. You have to take care of yourself. So I got some inspiration from that. And, you know, it, like devotees, some devotees were wondering why is Palaka Prabhu uh, canceling the Hari Nam? Well, you know, he's being careful. I sent him that quote. Also, if, if anyone has been on Hari Nam with him, um, uh, downtown Silver Spring, except, except, um, at Whole Foods is going to be just dead. <laughs> like nobody there. You know, and we don't do Harinam at Whole Foods. That's like two blocks away. We do it in this one spot where we're allowed to do it. So it really would be, uh, preaching to the trees and the blades of grass. So other thoughts on this point. Thank you for bringing up that distinction between attachment and, uh, and care. Prabhu had a question along the lines of what Raghunandan Prabhu said. Uh, it, it seems like, you know, uh, there's a there's a balance between like detachment and compassion, you know, vairagya and, and compassion. And uh, it seems that sometimes even when we're trying to be sincere, it's hard to know which side to tilt towards uh, because we want, you know, our family members and everyone else to have a good taste of Krishna consciousness. We want to be affectionate. And at the same time, like this purport says, and this verse says, we don't want to be like absorbed in that. So uh, even when we are trying to be sincere, it's it's hard to know uh, whether to err on the side of caring for the bodily needs of family members, like, you know, care for our children or whatever uh, in a, in a physical way, or, you know, just be absorbed in what you're doing spiritually like what's the how do you navigate uh such situations uh carefully <laughs> um, um we should do both we should find we that some of that is question of time management right we we should find time so that we're making sure we're uh hearing and chanting nicely and we also need to find time to uh take care of our family you know the the, the um if we're neglectful parents, do you think your children are going to want to be devotees? No. No. And we've seen that. We've seen that over the years. And, and I, th- I spent a lot of time with, um, with, uh, uh, Mano Har Prabhu, who's the youth minister. And, you know, he find he, he, he finds again and again that, uh, you know, the, our children need some, you know, most of them are not uh, raised of this, uh, raised of Vishnu, like uh, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. <laughs> I mean, they're very fortunate to take birth in devotee family, no doubt, right? So they, 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 uh, Krishna consciousness should be fun for them. That doesn't mean, you know, totally frivolous or anything like that. But, um, you know, um, in one sense, in terms of Krishna consciousness, I'm going all over the map here a little bit, but I'm remembering something my wife always says to people when she's doing parenting training, and that is that the most important thing for our children in terms of their Krishna consciousness is seeing their parents happy in Krishna consciousness. If they see that we're, you know, schnick, schnick, ray, ray while watching the football game, or, you know, kind of like, you know, falling asleep while looking at the Bhagavatam and, you know, uh, <laughs> like that, or, and, and just telling them, oh, you have to check, can't hurry Krishna, right? And, and we're getting on their case, the children's case, but in our life, you know, but if they see that we enjoy, you know, uh, 
cooking for Krishna and, and, and decorating the altar and chanting and going, that they, they, they pick up on that. You know, Krishna consciousness is caught as much as it's taught. Right. Um, we've, we've mentioned this a few times in this class. Um, so, um, both. We, we need to do both as our service to Prabhupada. And, uh, you know, that's life. We have to find that, 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 you know, obviously there'll be sometimes different balances at different times in our life, right? Like, um, like for example, um, we were fortunate that we could do this financially. Um, but when we were in Vrindavan, when my son was born, my wife took off five years from, uh, working in the, serving in the Gurukul and just took care of Gopinath because she had read so many places that if a child is showing a lot of affection the first five years of their life, they'll always feel very sheltered and, you know, like that. Um, and now he's 28 years old and, you know, we can focus on, on different things, right? So there's, there's also different times in our life when our children are young and when they're off in university or in the Brahmacharya ashram or whatever, right? Um, <clears throat> so there's also different times in our life that we have to do things. Thank you. Other thoughts on, on Prabhuji's question or other things here? Um, I just had one other thought on uh, Prabhu's question. Yes, please. And that's just that, and that's just that, you know, sometimes we also have to reflect on our own nature, like meaning some people naturally tend to be absorbed in their own stuff and work and, you know, not, they don't have that natural propensity to, uh, be like really involved, like be a very involved parent. Um, and then there's others who like smother <laughs> the children. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? I wasn't saying smother. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. And uh, so we have to understand a little bit our nature. And then based on that, we can err on the side of, you know, caution or, you know, that I need to invest a little bit more. Um, yeah, because sometimes we hear these principles and then we just take it blindly without understanding what's our nature, then we could go on the wrong side. Yes, thank you for that. Yes, helicopter parenting is not what I was suggesting. Matter of fact, often when you show some trust in your children, you'd be surprised at how they rise to the occasion. Yeah, thank you for that, Prima Chorangani. Thank you. <laughs> so now oh. we have the real... Truth spoken by her. Hi, Krishna. <laughs> other other thoughts. Hey, Krishna Prabhu. Yes, Prabhu. I was uh, reading this. I was uh, looking at the verse that is five five eighteen. Five five eighteen. Oh, that's a fam That's a famous verse. Yep. So it says. Um, so the one that we are reading, it says you have to educate um, the children, and it, this one is a strong one, which says one who cannot deliver his dependents. We never become a spiritual master, or father, or husband, or mother. Right. So that was a big one when I read this one. It's like, okay, what am I doing? Am I doing something for my children, for my wife, or not? Very good point. Thank you for that. That's that. That's really important. And then the trick, uh, uh, Divya Nanda Prabhu, is how to apply that. You know, because like we could, like we were trying to say, we could sometimes read that. And then think, okay, you know, my child's four years old. He should be doing at least six rounds a day <laughs> or whatever. You know what I mean? You know, trying to like, and that takes uh, some finesse. But yes, thank you for that. That's, that's a really good 
um, point. And Prabhupada would, in many places, Prabhupada would say it's natural that there's affection between family members, right? It's just that the, the, the idea is to, um, whereas Srila Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj would talk about, uh, he would talk like a triangle between husband, wife, and Krishna. And so keeping Krishna connected within the, uh, in the household relationships. Anything else? So let's yeah. move. Oh, yeah. So go ahead. Who's that? That was Andy. Oh, yes, Andy. We haven't heard from you all day. We're feeling yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm finally going to open my mouth and, and uh, reveal how much ignorance I really have. But uh, <laughs> uh, this one thing caught my uh, attention in a purport. He's saying these are the Vedic instructions, so-and-so. Then the real knowledge of Atma and Paramatma and the distinction between matter and spirit will be automatically revealed. The real knowledge. So uh, a lot of this knowledge, at least in my case, is like that we're learning is so much mind candy. It's not the real knowledge. So just it, it, do you have any pointers to get? Which, which verse are you on? Uh, this is in the purport for, for text six. Six, okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Where which first part? Kind of, it's kind of near the end of the purport. Uh, the like second to the last uh, paragraph it starts out. These are the Vedic instructions. Uh, I'm trying to find it. The second to last paragraph. It's after the uh, the the verse Yasya Deve Parabhati, or it's before that. There's a verse quoted, right? In verse six. Yeah, it must be after that. After that, there's just a short paragraph. While chanting, the, if one has unflinching faith, that I mean, unless we're looking, you said verse six, right? Yeah. And the word is real knowledge. Let's see. Yeah. Finding it. Um. Well, I can just clip it out and and uh, and chat it. Let's see. See, let me try that. Chat. Okay. Type message here. Yeah, so I put that on chat. Okay, hold on. Let me look at the chat. Okay. These are Vedic instructions. One must have full faith. Oh, that's uh, yes, yeah. that must be after yes, yeah, David. Okay, anyway, let me look at the chat. Uh, these are the Vedic instructions. One must have full faith in the words of the spiritual master and similar faith in the Supreme Personality of God. Then the real knowledge of Atman Paramatma and the distinction between matter and spirit will be automatically revealed. Okay, so what's your question? Well, for me personally, I don't feel like this has happened. So I just wondered if you had any pointers to get get me in the direction of that real knowledge. First is I'm learning about Atma and Paramatma. But he's talking about this real knowledge, which is a different, apparently is a different thing. It comes from inside, from your heart. So what pointers to like uh, get pointed, you know, in that direction more? Well, he's referring to this verse uh, from the Sveta Svetara Upanishad. Yes, you deve para bhaktir, yata deve tatagro, tasyaitik, katitahi artam prakashante mahatmana. 
uh, if one is unflinching faith in the Supreme Lord and the spiritual master, the essence of all Vedic knowledge is revealed to him. Um, so you're, you're, you're making a, you're focusing on this word real. Yeah. So you do, I mean, it seems that you do by, you know, attending, you know, all the, you know, hundreds of these classes, <laughs> understand theoretically the difference between Krishna and us, right? That's the difference between the soul, Atma, and Paramatma. Uh, and the distinction between matter and spirit, right? Uh, we've mm -hmm. talked about that thousands of times. The soul is spiritual, Krishna is spiritual, earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and ego are material. So you have that real knowledge on one level, right? Yeah. Um, coming from the outside in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're coming from the outside in. Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, Krishna is in our heart also. It, it says in the uh, Gita, Ishwara Sarva Bhutanam Hridesher. In, in the Hriday, in the heart, Krishna's there. So then, um, but it's also telling us how to do it in the verse, in the Svetasarita, having this uh, faith in the words of, of the Guru and of the Shastra and of Krishna. And that faith, and so faith, by the way, is not, you either have it or you don't have it. It's a spectrum. Uh, and the, the, naturally our faith becomes stronger as we get realizations. Obviously everyone in the call has some faith or else they wouldn't be spending their Sunday mornings listening to this gibberish. <laughs> That's what they would consider it if they had no faith, right? Right. Um, so, so it's not a question of faith or no faith or, or, or knowledge or no knowledge. It's a question of, uh, of the prog the progress from the theoretic, theoretical understanding to it deeply entering our heart and, uh, and, um, and it being realized. And I think the way to, Make that one way to make that transformation here. It said by full faith in Guru and Krishna. Another way is to act on that knowledge and to try to see the world in, in that way. Does that help? Oh, help? yeah. Yeah. I'll work on that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Other thoughts on this? Haven't heard a question from Shakshi Gopal all day. I'm feeling bereft. <laughs> he usually has all these questions. So let's see how much time we have. Nine minutes. So let's try to do a few more verses. Um, and we're going. I'm just leaving the conversation, Prabhu. Thank you for. Okay, well, just including you, making sure you're alive and well. Good to hear your voice. <laughs> yeah, I'm hearing. All right, text. We're going to go up to text twelve. So, Sukadev Goswami continued. The first created being, the most powerful demigod in the universe is Lord Prama, who is always responsible for developing universal affairs. Born directly from the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he, de he dedicates his activities to the welfare of the entire universe, for he knows the purpose of the universal creation. This supremely powerful Lord Brahma, accompanied by his associates and the personified Vedas, left his own abode in the highest planetary system and descended to the place of Prince Priyavrata's meditation. 
as Lord Brahma descended on his carrier, the great swan, all the residents of the planets named Siddhaloka, Gantarvaloka, Sadhyaloka, and Charana Loka, as well as the great sages and demigods living in the different in their different airplanes, assembled within the canopy of the sky to receive Lord Brahma and worship him. As he received respect and adoration from the residents of the various planets, Lord Brahma appeared just like the full moon surrounded by illuminating stars. Lord Brahma's great swan then arrived at, at the barrier at the border of Gandamadana Hill and approached Prince Priyabrata, who was sitting there. Lord Brahma, the father of Narada Muni, is the supreme person within this universe. As soon as Narada saw the great swan, he could understand that Lord Brahma had arrived. Therefore, he immediately stood up along with Swayambhuvamanu and his son Priyavrata, whom Narada was instructing. Then they folded their hands and began to worship Lord Brahma with great respect. My dear King Parikshit, because Lord Brahma had finally descended from Satyaloka to Bhuloka, Narada Muni, Prince Priyavrata, and Swayambhuvamanu came forward to offer him objects of worship and praise him in highly qualified language, according to Vedic etiquette. At the same time, Lord Brahma, the original person of this universe, felt compassion for Priyavrata and, looking upon him with a smiling face, spoke to him as follows. Prabhupada writes in the beginning of the purport that Lord Brahma descended from Satyaloka to see Priyavrata indicates that the matter was very serious. <laughs> Verse 11, Lord Brahma, the supreme person within this universe, said, My dear Priyavrata, kindly hear attentively what I shall say to you. Do not be jealous of the Supreme Lord, who is beyond our experimental uh, measures. All of us, including Lord Shiva, your father, and the great sage, Maharshi Narada, must carry out the order of the Supreme. We cannot deviate from his order. So indicating that this order is coming from above. You know, sometimes that happens at work, right? Our supervisor says something and he says, well, actually, it's not me. This is coming from the top, you know, or something like that, right? We cannot avoid the order of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, not by the strength of severe austerities and exalted Vedic education or the power of mystic yoga, physical prowess or intellectual activities, nor can one use his power of religion, his material opulence, or any other means, either by himself or with the help of others, to defy the orders of the Supreme Lord. That is not possible for any living being from Brahma down to the ant. And Prabhupada writes in the purport, the word manishaya, by intelligence, is of special insignificance. Priyavrata might argue that Lord Brahma was requesting him to accept family life and the responsibility for ruling a kingdom, although Narada Muni had advised him not to enter household life and be entangled in material affairs. Whom to accept would be a puzzle for Priyavrata because both Lord Brahma and Narada Muni are authorities. Under the circumstances, the use of the word Manishaya is very appropriate for it indicates that since both Narada Muni and Lord Brahma are authorized to give instruction. Priyavrata should neglect neither of them, but should use his intelligence to follow the advice of both. To solve such dilemmas, Srila Rupa Goswami has given a very clear concept of intelligence. So, um, 
Well, I'll ask. I guess I won't tell you. I'll ask you. What's an example of um, in, in the shastra of fulfilling uh, the requests of both when given a choice? This is Jivita Tudas. Prabhu, King Prithu's, uh, he also had the same dilemma, right? He wanted to finish 100 yagyas to satisfy Lord Vishnu. And at that time, you know, Lord Brahma came and approached and said, don't do that. And even Lord Vishnu came and, you know, tried to suggest him. And he is glorified bigger than Indra, who was trying to be an impediment in his path. Very good. Very good. Another example. Um, Arjuna's dilemma in killing Ashwatthama. Very good. Krishna was asking him to kill and Draupadi was saying, don't. Yes, right. Yes. Yes. Uh, Prabhupada writes, uh, contradictory orders of different persons are impossible to carry out. Therefore, a compromise was selected, selected by Arjuna by his sharp intelligence. And he separated the jewel from the head of Ashvatama. Ashvatama. But this was as good as cutting off his head, and yet his life was saved for all practical purposes. Here, Ashvatama is indicated as twice-born. Certainly he was twice-born, but he fell down from his position, and therefore he was properly punished. Um, and Prabhupada kind of talks about this in the beginning. You, know, you know I refer to this a lot in the beginning of the sixth chapter of Nectar of Instruction. Devotion. Um, he says the purport of the statement is that Srila Rupa Goswami proposes to mention only basic principles, not details. For example, a basic principle is that one has to accept a spiritual master. Exactly how one follows the instructions of a spiritual master is considered a detail. For example, if one is following the instructions of his spiritual master and that instruction is different from the instructions of another spiritual master, that is called detailed information. But the basic principle of acceptance of a spiritual master is good everywhere, although the details may be different. So, um, but so both instructions were good, right? You know, Nard is, uh, it's also interesting, right? In one sense, on a certain level, they're talking about two different principles. One is the welfare of the planet, and the other is the welfare of um, of this one great soul. Uh, uh, on another level, they're both the welfare of Priyavrata because Priyavrata gets blessings by following even a difficult instruction like the one given by Swayambhukamani. So in the last minute or two, any final words of wisdom from all you sages? Prabhu, I had one observation. It was from text 11. Um, the, the statement says from Brahma, when he is addressing Priyavrata, do not be jealous of the Supreme Lord who is beyond our experimental measurements. So I thought that was a very um, a unique remark to be made about Priyavrata. Is it in relation to Priyavrata deciding to take a renounced order of life and not taking a householder life? Yeah, like jealous, jealous would be the word that we would use, Prabhupada's using it, but I think we understand what it's it means. It's 12 o'clock. You know, don't, uh, yeah, don't be upset with Krishna for uh, 
asking to do this, you know, because sometimes spiritual master or, you know, uh, the Lord asks us to do things that we may not find so pleasurable. So he's kind of, you know, Bhaktivinoda Thakur said like that, which I, I dislike but gives you pleasure is my greatest pleasure, and that which I really like but gives you displeasure I find is my greatest displeasure. So, uh, so in one sense, it's a great opportunity for Priyavrata to um, show his unalloyed devotion. Like that. So uh, there is another class at from one to two. I think Rambaru Mataji is giving the class this week. There was an email sent out, right, from the temple. So she's uh, speaking this week. And um, we also did send out an email to everyone about all. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you are already aware of all these things. There's so much online that one can take advantage of during these uh, days of a lockdown, etc. I mean, just vih.org who could probably keep you busy for the rest of your life. <laughs> and and um, uh, ISKCON Desire Tree could probably keep you busy for five lifetimes. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's so much there. And then the Vaisheshika Prabhu is having daily things. And Bhakti Chaitanya Maharaj is having daily classes. And there's so, and all of, you know, if you haven't heard all of Prabhupada's lectures, they're all available online for free. Um, so there's so many ways to uh, to keep uh, connected um, spiritually. And also I think we sent some things for children, you know, to keep your children um, um, happy in Krishna consciousness. We sent some links to those things. And there's a lot more, in, uh, especially on this kind of desire tree for children. Um, so so many things. But it's so nice uh, to – I'm glad that we're doing this, that we're keeping this going. Yeah. Um, and it's for me. I'm 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 quite used to Zoom because I use it so much at work. So um, so it's not that. It's not a, like I think uh, it was uh, Andy who said it's a good second best, like that. So um, stay well. Uh, if there's anything, my wife always wants everyone to know. If there's anything the temple can do for you at this time, um, please let let us know. Um, right now, there's only darshan available and takeout prashadam. You can't you can't take prashadam there, but they can make you a plate if you come between one and two, uh, and then you can you know a, a container and take some prashadam. But uh, the cows are there. The cows have uh, not been quarantined. <laughs> so you can say hello to Gita and Bani or Chanhari Krishna in the twelve acres of land. That. So uh, until we meet again, Prabhus, thank you so much. Hare Krishna, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Thank you so much, Prabhu. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.